0: Holy Spirit is um, the paraclete. He is the one that walks alongside of us. And it says his main job is to continue to point us to Christ. Um, And so we pray that that's exactly what he does here today as we've just opened our hearts to him um, and say, Holy Spirit, you speak and always point us to Jesus. Um, We are still looking at um, these passages in Hebrews. Um, Just want to continue to, I don't know how long we're going to go on that, but um, probably a while. Um, But want us to continue to understand what these Israelite people look like um, so that we don't fall into that same trap, right? Um, In Hebrews, he gives us warnings after warnings and says, don't be like them. Don't do what they did. Like, here it is. It's yours. So don't do like them. Um, And so one of the things we've been looking at was what did they do um, that helped them from entering in that place of rest. Um, And so today we're going to continue to look at that. Numbers 13 is where we're going to start. tricked you, didn't I? I thought I was going to Hebrew. We'll go to Hebrews in a little bit. Numbers 13, I want you to see these people. In Numbers 13, we're going to begin in verse 30. We're going to read through the end of that chapter, which is not very many passages. um, And then go on into chapter 14. Um, years. on the screen. Lydia, you got it ready? All right. Um, Numbers thirteen, verse thirty. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, "We should go up, take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it." But the men who had gone up with him said, "We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. How are they looking at themselves? <laughs> Grasshoppers." And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim. They're the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. See, they see themselves the wrong lens, the wrong set of glasses that they're looking through. They need new lenses, to how to see. They need to see themselves as God sees them, right? Not as they see themselves, but they saw themselves. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We look the same to them. Now, did they come and tell them, hey, y'all look like grasshoppers do? That's just their what? Their thought process and their view their wrong lens chapter 14 verse 1 that night all the members of the community raised their voices whelped aloud all the israelites did what grumbled against moses and aaron we've looked at that passage before and the whole assembly said to him if only we had died in egypt and there's that contract with death right are in this wilderness why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us do what fall by the sword our wives and children will be taken as plunder Would't it be better for us to just go back to where yeah Egypt means what Brent said it loud slavery that slavery mentality you are free. He who knows the son is free indeed right We are free people. No longer in bondage, no longer in captivity, no longer in slavery, but sometimes we think that's a better place by our thought life. Right? And they said the same thing. Wouldn't it just be better for us to go back there? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly, gathered there, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. What did the other report say? It devours you. <laughs> See the two different reports? One is eating from the tree of life. One is from the knowledge of good and evil. The land we passed through explored seemingly good. See, they got different lenses. They both saw the exact same thing, guys. Just with different lenses. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Like it's not the other way around, like you're saying. No, 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 no. Whenever we come into a place that looks like tragedy, it is not a time for us to sink back and say we are being devoured but it is time for us to walk into that situation and see that situation turn around for good. Right? Do not be afraid that people land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 365 times through the Bible we see, do not be afraid. One for every day of the week. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. And the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me, in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? How long? How long? Like I've given them sign after sign. I've shown them over and over. Like I delivered them from captivity, from bondage. I delivered them from the oppressor, the one who had them down. Right? Pharaoh representing our Satan. Right? I delivered them. And every time they keep crying out, even though they won't just believe me, they keep crying out in doubt, and I still answer them. Right? How long? Right? So, I want you to move with me to John chapter 16. They did not see themselves as worthy to receive this promise. Because they had the mentality of bondage. They had the slavery mentality. If you have a slave mentality or a bondage mentality, you don't think you, you, you should get anything. Right? That's the mentality. That's a whole mindset. That's the way we look at things. That's the way we we interact with people, the way we interact with our circumstance, right? So that when tragedy comes or when problems come or trials come and we're looking at that trial, we think, oh, God must have abandoned me. Isn't that what they thought? Every time there was a trial, every time there was something hard put in their place, God must have abandoned us. Why did he bring us out here to die? You see, they had this wrong mentality that what they thought was the promises of God meant there never would be trials. Now, we looked at it last two weeks ago, looking at the trials, right? And I told you and I said there is no place in any of those scriptures that we say God gets glory out of suffering. But what he does get glory is, is your attitude through suffering. And so when we're going through trials and there's things that come up and they hit us in our face, it is an opportunity for him to shine, not for us to go back. It's an opportunity for us to devour the devourer because of who we are, because of who's in us and we are in him, right? I want you to get this clear picture. They could not get the clear picture, right? They couldn't see it. Jesus comes on the scene. He goes and he's baptized. He comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit comes upon him as a dove. Right? And it remains on him. And it says he gets up out of the water after the skies split open, ripped, torn open. And by the way, it never says it goes back together again. Torn open from that moment. Open heavens, poured out. And in that moment, Jesus gets up and it says he is led into the wilderness. What is that for? Everything he did, he did for us. Everything he did, not just for us, but as us. So he went to the wilderness that they could not do. And he became sin who knew no sin, right? So that means he goes through everything that was supposed to be from the very beginning. And he meets the wilderness head on and says, let me show you how to do it, boys. And so every trial that come into his way in that 40 days in the wilderness, the trial and the temptation that come his way, he chose word over circumstance every time. And when he chose word over circumstance, the enemy had to flee. And he walked out of there victorious. So, what does he do for us? He included us in everything that he did. He included us. He included us in his life. He included us in his death. He included us in his resurrection. He included us in his ascension, where we are seated now at the right hand of the Father with Christ. Amen. We were included, right? So, when we talk about inclusion, we're thinking more of a heaven hell type atmosphere. We're talking about inclusion. We're in him. Like, you've got to see from the whole life we're in him. The whole wilderness thing, that's for us to get our minds because we've been given the mind of Christ now on the other side of all this, right? So look at what he says is coming for us in John 16. Now that you have your mindset, I just wanted to give you that preface right there because I want you to put on the right glasses, right? Mandy just threw some glasses on just then. She just (laughs) threw them other ones in the trash. She went and got her purse and got some new ones out. That's what we have to do, though. Take them old ones off. Put on the lens of Christ. What did I say the paraclete, Holy Spirit's job is to do? Always point us to Christ. So now we're looking at the lens of Christ. Now, look at John 16, verse 7. And this is what he says. But here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Talking to his disciples. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. That's the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. But after I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will... Listen to these three things. He will expose sin. Prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments. Sin because they refuse to believe in who I am. What was the sin? Unbelief. Simple unbelief. God's righteousness, because I'm going back to join the Father and you'll see me no longer. And His judgment, because the ruler of this dark world has already received is what? Sentence. Look at Dr. Simmons' footnotes. In essence, sin, righteousness, and judgment are related to three persons. Sin is related to Adam. For it was through Adam that sin entered humanity, Romans 5.12. Righteousness is related to Christ because it comes through Him. He is our righteousness. It has been given to us, right? And He has become our righteousness. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ. Judgment is related to Satan for the pure works of Christ bring judgment to the works of Satan. If we do not embrace Christ's righteousness, we share Satan's judgment. Now we've gone for the last several years a lot through what righteousness looks like. Because you cannot grow according to Scripture. You cannot grow unless you get the revelation of righteousness. Right? But when you're not choosing to believe His righteousness is already yours, you're condemning yourself. Not Him. Did you see that? You're choosing condemnation for yourself. He's not choosing condemnation for you. For He did not come into the world but to condemn the world, but to save the world. Right? Then he goes on to say, verse 12. There is so much more I would like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. But when the truth-giving Spirit comes, who is that again? Holy Holy Spirit. He will unveil the reality of every truth where? Within you. He won't speak on His own, but only what He hears from the Father. And He will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. He will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. He will receive what? Whatever's mine. Whatever's mine. That's the whole thing. That's why you were hidden in Christ before the foundation of the world. Why you were predestined before the foundation of the world. Predestined where? In Christ. Not predestined choosing who gets to go and who don't. Predestined in Christ from the foundation of the world. For he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Everything. Say it with me. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's a lot. Now listen. That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine, which is everything that's the Father's, and then reveal it to who? You. Soon you won't see me any longer, but then after a little while you will see me in a new way. And he's talking about the crucifixion and then he rises again. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say the divine encouragement will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. All I have. Another passage. If you break that word down, that Dr. Simmons used the word reveal. That word there is translated meaning like a transmitter. There are waves all in this room right now, correct? All kinds of waves. Like, whenever I get my hair cut, the guy who cuts my hair, he has CB radio in there. So those waves are going. We don't think about those things exist anymore, but they still out there. Radio, AM and FM, right? Then we got satellite, DISH, HughesNet, all these type things then we got internet can work satellite now right we got waves upon waves like i don't do the direct tv and stuff anymore at my house i use youtube tv here's the thing with all that's being transmitted i can't see it or hear it until the receiver is connected correct It's transmitted. The word there is transmitted by the Holy Spirit, but a transmitter must have the receiver. So whenever, even if it's the old dial up, the dial kind that I'm dialing in the FM, until I get in line with that, I'm not receiving it. So in other words, He's pouring it out all the time. It's there. It's already been done. It's pouring out but I don't have to tune into it. I can tune into that other voice and put that other glass on and that other lens or that other receiver, however you want to look at it, and say, no, I'm about to be devoured. Why did He leave me out here to die? Or, I can receive what He's already put out. It's like Mark 4. He said, if you don't get Mark 4, you'll never get the Gospel, period. It's like what? What? seed to each one of us given a measure of faith like what seed it's poured out it's going out what is his grace doing it's pouring out what is his mercy doing pouring out over who the whole cosmos but I'm receiving it that's the question You see, 2,000 years ago was already done. It is what? Finished. It's finished. But if I'm receiving or not. Am I receiving what this message says or not? And so often, we like Paul says, we look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what we even look like. What's he saying? He gave us his Scripture, the Logos, Word of God. The Logos means Jesus in form of Word. Gave it to us to look into as into a mirror and say, that's who I really am. When I'm looking at Jesus' life, I'm looking at myself. Because this is who I was supposed to be from the very beginning. My life in His life. His life in my life. I'm in Him. He's in me. But you know what usually happens? We're good until the next trial hits. We're good until the next temptation hits. And then I start believing the devourer with the slave type mentality instead of believing what he says. That's why it's so important that we come into that truth of righteousness. We have to. Like we can't grow. We can't mature till we get the revelation of righteousness. It is our foundation. It is our bedrock. It is our righteousness in Christ Jesus that we build from. And until we get that, we can't get the rest of it, right? Like, for instance, there was some stuff that some of us guys was talking about, and it started bogging us down for a little bit. And you know what I had to do? I had to shut everything off. I got back to Revelation of Righteousness. I started looking at Revelation of Righteousness. Things started making a little bit more sense to me, right? Sometimes we just get bogged down. In life, in our thought processes... We've got to come back to the revelation of righteousness so that we can what? Build from maturity. Because when we forget that and we start more overemphasizing another area more than we do revelation of righteousness, we start to get a little off a little bit because it all has to keep coming back to that foundation. Does that make sense? So as we're on that foundation of righteousness, who we are in Christ Jesus, who we really are, do no not matter what the enemy throws at you then. Because I know that he's got me. Because I have no doubt anymore. See, the doubt slips in whenever I think I'm not righteousness. And I think, oh snap, I'm a little scared because I'm probably going to be judged. I'm probably going to, something's going to happen to me. Something bad's going to happen to me. And so I have to get back to that revelation of righteousness so I can be in truth. So in that revelation of righteousness, go to Romans eight sixteen. Romans eight sixteen, he reminds us. John sixteen, he just said everything, everything that he has, the Father has, has been given to Jesus, and he says it has been given to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. He will word he uses transmits it to you. Everything. So Romans eight verse sixteen. Paul says for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us like that's my papa that's Abba Abba the most intimate term for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood what? real to us as he whispers where? into our innermost being that's your subconscious layer you don't live day to day in most of your life in a let me sit here and meditate and think about this for a minute. Most of the decisions you're having to make during your day is like this. And whatever's already established in your subconscious layer, that's where you're going to live from. So he's saying your inner what you really believe, what you really believe about him, what you really believe about yourself, that's really what's going to come out in that time of fire. That time of trial. That time of hardship, when the rubber meets the road, so to speak, that's what you're going to really see. So he says, he whispers into your innermost being, You are God's what? Beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to what? What did he say in John 16? Everything that I have. He says, To share what? All his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also, what's that word? Inherit. All. All. You hear these words? That He is and all that He has. We will experience being co-glorified with Him provided that we accept His sufferings as our own. We accept He's already done this for us. We accept that it is finished. We accept by His stripes, I am healed. We accept that He put the crown of thorns on His head so that I don't have to work by the sweat of my brow anymore. We accept. We receive this. Joint heirs. That means passed on without merit, meaning I didn't... Didn't strive for it. I didn't try to gain it. I didn't have to work for it. It was passed on without merit. Not earned and not worked for. It was given to me. Hebrews. Now let's go to Hebrews. And we're going to spend some time in Hebrews. So going back to our passage in Hebrews. That we have this place of rest. And we're going to go to Hebrews 11 verse. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God, what? In faith. Knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who passionately do what? Seek Him. Seek Him. When we come into that place where we realize He is everything already, like He's it. Like He has manifested everything that we were supposed to be from the very beginning. And we believe that, right? You have to look... What did we just sing earlier? When I lock eyes with you, I see my... What? Reflection. It's when I lock eyes with Him. Believing that this is the real deal. Believing that He is who He says He is. Knowing that He is real. Knowing that I'm in Him. Knowing that He's in me. That's where my faith begins in that. Where it is all of a sudden starting to, that seed of faith begin, or if you want to say measure of faith, begins to grow in me when I what? Believe. Now, go back to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For we have the living Word of God, which is full of energy, that's the logos, which is full of energy like a two-mouthed sword. And one of the things we said last week, two-mouthed sword, meaning my mouth joins up with his mouth, it's a two-edged sword. His mouth, my mouth, it joins together, bringing agreement. And it is sharp enough when I do that and release that, it's sharp enough to cut through my emotions, my, my soulish realm, my mind, my will, my emotions, it's able to cut through the deepest, most, uttermost part of my being. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God for nothing that we do remains a secret. And nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before His eyes to whom we must render an account. So then... We must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest who is who? Jesus. The Son of God. He rose into the heavenly realm for who? For us. And now listen to this word. And now sympathizes with us in our what? Frailty. He understands humanity for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way just as we are. And he did what? He conquered sin. So now, and what did we say sin was earlier? Unbelief. Unbelief. He conquered your what? Unbelief. So now, we draw near freely. And boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover grace, we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. He says, he sympathizes with us, but I want you to understand that that sympathy does not mean the excuse of our weakness. And what I mean by that, a lot of times I hear people using the terms of Paul. And Paul says... What I want to do, I, I don't do. Those kind of things. And we say, well, see, he was weak. And if he was weak, then so am I. But that's only taken one part of his message. That's only one little bitty segment that if you keep reading, he says, but thanks be to God, I've already overcome. He's already overcome that, so therefore I have too. Right? So in this part, he is not saying he sympathizes with you and excuses your weakness. But he's saying as a high priest, he subjected himself to our very weaknesses. That's what it looks like in the wilderness, right? That's one of those things. Then the cross is subjected to that. But he, as a high priest, subjected himself to our human nature. And then he resurrected that human nature as the first fruit among many. So when he says he sympathizes, he's not excusing our weakness. He's saying you shouldn't even have it. Because if you have it, it's only because you're what? Not relying on me. Let me show you what I mean. Remember, word always confirms word. Hebrews 2: 14. Hebrews 2:14, "Since all His children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to what fully identify with us." He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. What does that word annihilate mean? It's over with. What did he do? By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. For it is clear, he didn't do this for the angels, for all, but for all the sons and daughters of Abraham. This is why he had to be a man. Take hold of our humanity in every way. He made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful, faithful king priest before God as the one who removed our sins to make us one with him. He suffered and endured every test, every temptation. Why? So that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. Why did he become human? so that we don't have an excuse when we get to those trials and those temptations so that we know he's already defeated he's already conquered, he's already went through he subjected humanity to all the trials and said I come on the other side and I brought you through all that that's why we identify with the sufferings we say we've already identified in those sufferings therefore we also identify in the resurrection now we can say glory to God, amen that's a good word But until it goes from here to here, those trials will just keep us going around that 40-year journey. You see, to receive this is to come into the place of rest. To receive what He's saying. To believe that He really did go through that. To believe that He really identified in humanity so much so that He... Buried humanity, resurrected humanity, and ascended with humanity.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you see that? Like, that's, that's what he's saying. Hebrews 4, he says he understands us. So I took you back to why he said he became human, Hebrews 2. So now go back to Hebrews 4 at the very beginning of that. And so maybe this will help us understand a little bit more of belief. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Now, the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us when? Today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all do what? Embrace the fullness. That can also mean receive. The fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it like it's coming. It's out there. It's readily available for you. But you can also not experience it. See that? For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. Like, they were delivered physically from Pharaoh. Correct? Physically out of bondage. Physically no more, no more under that tormenting shame. But they still chose to believe that mindset. Over the new mindset that God gave them. Same is true for us today. He has delivered us from Satan. He has delivered us from the shame and the condemnation of Satan. But we still want to live in that mindset. Yet they didn't join their faith. Listen to that. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the Word. is that what Jesus showed us He did in the wilderness? Instead, what do they do? What they heard didn't affect them, and there is a word there that we can't miss, deeply. That's that subconscious layer where we really believe. That's where your knower is. That you know in your knower that even when those things happen, I'm still going back to my Father is good. I know He didn't cause that, but I know He can bring good out of it. And I'm establishing in my knower not to agree with what the enemy's lies are telling me. No, 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 look at the circumstance. No, 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 look at this. If God was God, if he was good, this would. this was, this was, what's he doing? Bringing doubt into your mind. What is the very first thing? Bill said it last week. The very first thing wasn't when they ate it. The very first thing that they messed up in was when their belief. I didn't believe the word. And that's what Satan's been doing since the very beginning of time. He twists the word of God. He twists it so that you will believe a lie. He didn't give them a whole lie. He gave them truth mixed with a lie. You see what I'm saying? So when you get truth mixed with a lie, you're a little bit confused. You're like, oh, I see it, but then, uh, oh, no. And that brings death. So we go back to His Word. What is His Word saying about me? Yet they didn't join their faith with the Word. Instead, what they did, they heard it didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. Isn't that from the very beginning in the garden? For those of us who believe, for those of us who do what? Then look what happens with faith when you believe. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. Whose faith? Jesus faith. You've been given a measure of faith in seed form. You've been, it's like a blanket went out. Seed. Seed time of harvest. Seed. And you've been given a measure of faith. But when does that faith grow? When you what? When you believe it. For those who believe, faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm that Bill said last week of confident rest despite my circumstances despite what's going on in the world despite how I feel my emotions sometimes we have to as we said in that song earlier sometimes you've got to speak to your soulless realm sometimes you've got to remind your soulless this realm this is the truth listen up and when you do that, it, it activates the promise, and we experience this realm of confident rest. In Joshua chapter 5, I want you to see this, and then we'll we'll spend some time and some prayer in just a minute. But in Joshua chapter 5, these are the people that rose up and said, Joshua and Caleb. We can do it. Don't listen to them. We can do it. They didn't get to experience it, right? Now Joshua is leading the people over into the promised land. Look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites... They crossed over. The Ark of the Covenant goes. The Jordan River, just like the Red Sea, splits on dry ground. They're entering over into the promised land. Whenever God commanded Joshua, all right, now tell the priests bring the Ark of the Covenant on out. When they brought the Ark of the Covenant on out, it says on the other side of the riverbed, then the waters begin to flow again. That's all in chapter 4. When all that happens, look at what happens with the enemy. Up to this point, you've got to remember we've been living in 40 years of fear, 40 years of doubt, 40 years of grumbling, 40 years of complaining, 40 years of give me somebody else, I don't like this guy anymore, 40 years of just give us another God who will finally lead us through. And all of the time before that, years upon years of slavery. And here they are, that mindset for generation, 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 generation. And here he's commanding them, let's do it. So it had to take some faith to go out, right? What happens to the enemy whenever they see this happen? They could have still stayed on the other side and said, we ain't got no boat." They could have still stayed on the other side and said, I want to move down into the 2000s. Move on over to the 2000s where they got them big bridges. Yeah, I know that. By faith, it was activated when they did what? When they believed. Until they crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had courage to face the Israelites. So now the enemy is running. (laughs) See what happens whenever you enter in? At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcise the Israelites in Gebeth and Harath. Now, this is why he did this. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. And all the people that came out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were military age when they left Egypt had died. Since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land. He had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. He's a very generational God. He never gives up. In the New Testament it says, Why is God slow At his final appearing. What does it say? Who remembers? Because he is very patient with us. Wanting every man to see the truth. The generation. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Circumcision represents the cutting off of the flesh, meaning the cutting off of everything that we try to hold on to, which is the flesh. And he wants us to see with our spiritual eyes. Then, verse 9, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. He says, Today I roll away the reproach. What does reproach mean? Who knows? Shame. Your shame. Your shame. Your blame. Your feeling bad towards yourself. Don't we do that? I did it again. Right, Britney Spears. Oops, I did it again. Nope. And then we get the blame game. We start looking at ourselves. I did wrong. Guys, probably mad at me. We wallow in this self-pity, this blame, the shame. He says, "Now that you've set yourself apart, we're going and we're entering in. And this is what you're going to have to do if you're going to enter in, and we're going to be able to take these cities." I got to roll away the reproach. I got to roll away the shame. Why? This says we enter in, Hebrews says, into the realm of confident rest. If you're wallowing around in shame, there is no confidence. The realm of confident rest is resting in His finished work that's already done. It's already done. Paul says that the kingdom of God, three things, righteousness, peace, and what was the last one? Joy. Where is it all found? In the Holy Spirit. He said that's the kingdom. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now why would He... Basically, He's saying it twice. The righteousness part. Why would He do that? Whatever Paul says, that is part of the kingdom. And Jesus says, seek the kingdom and righteousness. Why would Jesus do that? Because He knows that unless we get established in His righteousness and understanding who we are and roll away the reproach, roll away the shame be confident and seated in Him and resting in Him that we're going to continue to go around our mountains. It has to be rolled away. And enter into a place of confident rest that says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am in Him and He is in me. not a phrase that you just say it's something that you have to believe that whenever I say I'm in him and he's in me I see a blanket of his life I was always in him the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world I was always in him in his life that he lived here I was always in him in his death I was always in him in his resurrection I was always in him In His ascension, I was always in Him. Where He rules and reigns now, I am always with Him. Where it's been beneath His feet and He has the authority, I am seated with Him. All those things represent I am Him and He's in me. John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god and the word pros face to face and we have been included from the very beginning before the foundation of the world in face to faceness as a man sees in a mirror maybe dimly now we have the promise that we as we continue to behold his face and continue to look at his face we become, like what we behold. There are over 40-something thousand denominations of Christianity in this world. So often we argue or think our theology is more correct than the next one. As Brent and I were talking earlier this morning, it all has to come out of a place of intimacy. always every time we open the word every time we're praying every time we're talking about him we want to come back into alignment of the lens of Christ Jesus and what he has done for us and I'm in him and he is in me whenever I posture myself in that place you know what begins to happen these worries and these concerns in this world just begin to vanish and the things that I don't have figured out yet, in those moments, I forget those two. Because now it's about me and him. Brent and I have these discussions all the time. There's things that I want to know that I want to figure out. And I keep studying. And I'm just like, I need more clarity on this, I need more clarity on this. We are called to study the Word, show ourselves approved. But it never comes in the place of intimacy. We can't allow those things to get in the way of our intimacy. Because now all of a sudden, I'm choosing strife over resting in intimacy. situation that you're facing today. A group of people this size, there is no way that not one of us is facing a situation. Some of us in this room, multiple situations and we don't know how we will get out of them. That scripture today says you have a high priest who subjected himself to humanity in all points, in all weak moments, in all frailty, so that He could sympathize with you in your weakness. Not to leave you there. Not so that you wallow in your shame or your disgrace, to wallow in, I don't know what I'm going to do. says so that you can bring whatever it is boldly to the throne of grace with confidence and boldness that you will receive whatever you ask for in His name. Because I'm in Him and He's in me. So just for a moment close your eyes and I don't want you to think about the problem the circumstance or the trial for just a moment. I just want you to take a deep breath in, and I want you to breathe in, and I want you to picture yourself breathing in life. Because when you breathe in, you breathe in His very breath, Yahweh, you bring in life. So take that deep breath in. I just want you to picture life expanding in your body. Expanding in your consciousness. Expanding in your mind. release out whatever that thing was that's been bothering you. That thing that's making you tired, it is literally making you tired mentally and physically. deep breath in and picture yourself bringing in light. He is life and he is light. And in him there is no darkness. You breathe in light and exposes the darkness. Just picture whenever you walk into the room and you flip on that switch. light bulb does not have to ask the darkness to go away but because the light is present the darkness disappears you breathe in life the word says he is a life giving spirit so breathe in Allow yourself to rest for a minute. Revelation says he has eyes like fire, and I want you to stare into the eyes of Jesus. The light of his eyes bring light into your eyes. The eyes, the window of the soul. Let his light penetrate our soulless realm, our mind, our will, our emotions. Bringing healing there. You say, well, God gave us those emotions. God gave you emotions, but they've been distorted through Adam. Emotions and our soul is back into the reality of Christ Jesus we stare face to face with him we behold him everything that he is just begin to take that gaze from his eyes to his whole face and I want you to notice that he is not mad at you is not disappointed in you he knows you fully you are fully known and you are completely loved by him with the same infinite and passionate love that he loves his son Father, Son, Spirit are dancing around you now in complete joy. I love that part in the shack when he goes back to that place. The old shack. Thinking he's going to find God there and he finds nothing he just begins to yell and scream. Then he walks out. Then everything begins to change around him. He sees a different place. And the first thing he hears is laughter. Joy. Some of us just need hear the joy and the laughter again. We've been beat up so much by this world that we can't hear His joy and His laughter. Just be still. Come as a little child. eager to receive. Illuminate the eyes of your imagination. I love listening to my children as they've been growing up over these last few years. and We do things like this in our house And just this week. Armani says, Jesus, are you proud of me? Yes. She said, Said, see, that wasn't me. I talked like this. That was Jesus because he said, yes. We come as a little child, illuminating our imagination towards him. There's no fear. For perfect love has already cast out fear. There's enjoyment. we finally believe. Sometimes we need to pray just like the man in the Bible. Father, I believe, but help my unbelief. We believe this. We believe these truths. Who we really are. Who He says we are. We really believe that He sees us just as He sees His Son. That He is so proud of us shame and the guilt begin to melt away and we enter into a place of confident rest. So I say today, this day we roll away the reproach of all shame and all guilt. And this day we establish a new thing that we say for us and every generation after us will enter into this place of confident rest. Where we are in Him and He is in us. From this day forward, we see ourselves as Christ sees us. As the Father sees us through the lens of Christ. And we see the Father through the lens of Christ. That any other view of the Father that does not line up with the view of Christ's It evaporates and is burned out of our minds and our hearts and our understanding. And to bring us into total truth, Father, of who You really are and who we really are into a place of this confident rest that we are now life-giving spirits and that we bring life, we bring You, everywhere we go in confidence that when we walk in the room, we know that you walk into the room. That we are confident that whenever you walk into a situation, when we walk into a situation, you walk into the situation. And confident that you are making all things new. In the here and the now. We set our hearts towards you. Hands
2: are
0: open. Something about when we open up our hands physically. place just simply holding